This is Unfilter, episode 79, for December 18th, 2013. It may be the ultimate victory for fugitive NSA hacker Edward Snowden. Classified documents he leaked over the summer revealed just how much information the NSA collects on Americans and directly led to today's ruling. At issue, the NSA's massive database on virtually every phone call made in the United States. Today, the federal judge, a George W. Bush appointee, said the program almost certainly does violate a reasonable expectation of privacy and is indeed an unreasonable search under the Fourth Amendment. He also called the government program that stores the phone data of virtually every American, quote, almost Orwellian. On this week's episode of Unfiltered, on Monday, a secret program authorized by a secret court, when exposed to the light of day, found to violate Americans' rights. A federal judge ruled the NSA's bulk collection of America's phone records almost certainly violates the protections of the Fourth Amendment against unreasonable search. And a gold star for the NSA's PR, time like an Amazon Cyber Monday at 60 Minutes attempts the boldest whitewash of the facts and lies surrounding the NSA spying yet. Plus, it's your feedback, our follow-up, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. And welcome to Unfilter, episode 79 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the always excellent Mr. Chase. Hey, Chris. Hi, everybody. I, Hi, I, Chase. I, I, Hi. I decided this week uh, I think I need to tone it down. Oh, you all fired up? Well, last week, episode 7A is probably one of my most vocal. Definitely our highest F-bomb ratio. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I, mean, I wasn't keeping track. But. No, I know, but, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of things came to a head last week. And I, I know a lot of people think of me as the, the trusty sidekick that brings out some great uh, now they're Chase. humor. And, uh, Everybody knows you have strong opinions. Right. And uh, I know that, uh, and, you know, somebody in, in our YouTube channel um, brought up a lot of different, uh, you know, words and points. But one of the points I think that kind of stuck out is whether I... Realize it or not, what I say uh, can sometimes affect other people out there. And, you know, obviously, and I think sometimes I, I lose focus of that. Hmm. Um, and I, and I, I think it's very, very significant. You're saying words matter. <laughs> words do matter. <laughs> oh, wow. That was quick. Thanks. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, when you have something uh, where I truly believe that, you know, that the government is to blame for a lot of the unemployment uh, issues that are out there because of the policies that they've set forth, you know, and some of the the encouragement that they've honestly done to help push business overseas and to try to set up these tax havens and and credit countries and things like that because, you know, it, it, to do business directly here in the United States is very difficult and expensive to do. Uh, and then you see states like, you know, Washington State who gives credits to Boeing and that sort of thing. So, you know, all 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 set aside. You know, I uh, I, I want to apologize for any uh, language. By the way, to uh, people might have been offended by some of the words <laughs> I said. Um, I don't but, think you're supposed. To, I don't think you're allowed to listen to the show and get offended by the language because of well, everything I, else we cover. No, I understand that. I understand. I this that. sounds like a good te- man. If I hadn't listened to episode seventy-eight, I'd be going and listening right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was not my intention to oh, do a reverse. Because be, that would be a good reverse tease. I'm just saying. Yeah, but no, it's it's one of those things that. Um, you know, personally, uh, sometimes government policies and things that are happening go out the window. You got to get purged. Sometimes you got to purge your feelings, Chase. But you know what? It's still, you know, one week later, a lot of the feelings are still remaining. Oh, sure. Uh, for example, I wanted to give you a little follow up. Last week, I, I don't know if I told you this, Chris, but I emailed our uh, my Congress peoples. Oh yeah, how'd that go? And <laughs> Did you have a good dialogue? Well, uh, I got a, a response back that was semi canned. 
if you will. Mm, okay. Uh, but basically, I, I emailed our senators, and I also emailed our, our local uh, Congress representative. And uh, um, let me see if I can find that quickly. Uh, but basically, the, uh, the the note that I got back was essentially it was very political, but it sounded to me that he was try- uh, so it was uh, Congressman Rick Larson here in Washington State, and he basically said, "Dear Chase, thank you for contacting me regarding the EUC program." He told me of when it was going to expire, which I already knew, obviously. He told me that over 25,000 people in the state of Washington are expected to lose benefits. Mm. Uh, he wrote a letter uh, with him and 170 other Democratic colleagues writing a letter to Speaker Boner, Boehner, Boner, uh, uh, a letter urging— Pretty sure it's Boner. Yeah, yeah Boner, yeah, pretty sure. urging him pretty to sure. bring to the House floor a one-year extension of the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously—he's telling me, hey, I'm, I'm trying to push this program <laughs> and get it along, uh, but obviously it's all up to the House yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh, but you know these these kind of things, these feelings, and I know we're going to talk about NSA here in a minute. But um, I, I understand that the whole EUC program is the federal government redistributing taxpayer funds to, to those who are uh, are struggling and, and past that twenty six week state threshold. Wait, wait a minute. Did, did uh, so? Wait, did he respond? So wait, did you say he, it was didn't, a he didn't respond to that? Oh, okay, but okay. he. But I I believe that okay. this part was canned. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was just telling me what he's done gotcha. to try to help the gotcha. issue. Gotcha. No, but I, I truly believe that thanks to the U.S. government, a lot of this unemployment is existing because of the stuff that they've done um, and because of the way they handled the stock market and the way they've handled the the, 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 the Fed and the money and just all these things. That I believe that is a big cause for that nature and, and that attitude. And – while, yes, the redistribution of funds is totally awful, I think if there was other actions put into place like maybe upping the minimum application requirement, most states say you have to apply for at least one job a week or three jobs a week or whatever, make that 20 jobs a week and require you to go into uh, classes and training or whatever. you know, Just up the qualifications. Up the but qualifications, keep but keep it because I'm, I, there are a lot of people, and this is the part that really pisses me off. There are a lot of people who believe that those who are on unemployment are sitting on their ass right. not doing anything, yeah. and they're not trying, and they're not reaching out there to try to get a job. Right. Yes, there are those people who, who do that. There are people right. – who commit that fraud, and I call it fraud, and they should be prosecuted, and they should be, you know, taken to get that money back retroactively and get that money back. But yeah, it is what it is, and uh, I'm very happy to be here on the last episode this of the last, year of the year. Yeah, kind of started us on downer though. <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I wanted to get that out there. I, I I needed to address that because last week. By the way, uh, uh, I I don't think you should allow YouTube qual- comments to qualify as well, feedback. I, I, it's really because you know what it is. It allows for, feedback to me. No, it's it's actually I I really disagree with you there a lot. Okay. Um, you know, and I know you've been doing this for a long time, so I think if you thought about it, you would too. Uh, YouTube and website comments are trash because they allow for a drive-by style of commenting, one that doesn't require any effort on their part, and therefore they uh, they will take an emotional reaction that actually isn't that well reasoned. Or maybe even totally. Well, I took an emotional reaction last week too. Right, and this is the problem: is it also allows guys like you and I to also have a very low barrier. If you and him had had the same conversation, and I I guarantee you, you've probably had this, where somebody trolls you via email, what always inevitably ends up happening is you have a dialogue with that person, and by the end of the by the end of it, like, yeah, man, I'm really sorry, I had a bad day. And, you know, my dog died today, and I walked in my wife totally getting boned by, by some other guy. And Sorry it's just, about that. I've had a super rough day, and then I listened to the show, and I got really upset, and I wrote in this email. That's yeah. what happens every time. But see, when the problem is with comments on YouTube and websites is all of that's out the window. Some idiot that's directly connected with their emotional center to their keyboard can just crap something on the screen, and then you read it, who, and you are much more emotionally invested in this thing than what they are, and, right, and they have a lower threshold before they make the comment. I mean, you know all this. Yeah. So really, you can't take yeah. YouTube... You, I mean, I, I, mean, I love I our YouTube audience, and I appreciate people who give us feedback on there. Yeah. But if somebody really wants to give me feedback, they have to go through a certain amount of effort before it even registers as valid to me. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, it does. I mean, you know what you could do? If you feel like you're under attack, if you feel like people aren't understanding your story, 
you ought to hire John Miller. <laughs> John Miller uh, is a uh, CBS correspondent. He's been in and out of uh, various government positions. I would. As he's been on I the would, air. I would hire and him. he could help with your PR he problem. Could. I need some good PR right uh, now. Well, the NSA called up John Miller, and this is why I suggest this. And, uh, he, Did John, they get a good rate for him, by the way? Uh, well, I will see. He's going to get a new gig out, out of this. He is. Oh, I bet. Yeah, with, uh, with uh, the NYPD, I believe, or something uh-huh. like that. Uh, so anyways, um, John Miller uh, is going to give us a little inside scoop on the NSA. No U.S. intelligence agency has ever been under the kind of pressure being faced by the National Security Agency after details of some of its most secret programs were leaked by contractor Edward Snowden. Perhaps because of that pressure, the agency gave 60 Minutes unprecedented access to NSA headquarters, where we were able to speak to employees who have never spoken publicly before. Full disclosure, I once worked in the office of the Director of National Intelligence, where I saw firsthand how secretly the NSA operates. So John Miller himself admits that he worked for the DNI, which the DNI would be the office that oversees the NSA. So that way, if the NSA was in violation, then the DNI was in, vi- it was in failure of oversight. So it's a bit of a conflict of interest right there. Uh, and also, it, it kind of goes to underscore, too, like... It's interesting. 60 Minutes, usually when they have a really big story, brings on one of their main crew. But this time, an outside guy comes in, not part of the 60 Minutes crew. It's sort of the guy who bills himself as the inside man. And it's pretty clear almost immediately into the interview, after uh, after they kind of touch on a few topics, which we'll cover in a little bit, they get into the questions and you can immediately see the direction these questions are going and how hard they are. If a terrorist is suspected of having contacts inside the United States, The NSA can query a database that contains the metadata of every phone call made in the U.S. going back five years. So you understand, then, there might be a little confusion among Americans who read in the newspaper. And this is Miller talking to uh, Keith Alexander. That the NSA has vacuumed up the records of the telephone calls of every man, woman, and child in the United States for a period of years. That sounds like spying on Americans. Right, and that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. There's no. You don't hear the call. You don't hear the call. Now listen to the way he starts leading the witness. Essentially, that's absolutely wrong. There's no. You don't hear the call. You don't hear the call. You don't see the name. You don't see the names. You just see this number called that number. He's giving him this. Yeah, he's giving him the answer. He's saying, "Oh, Chris, you don't receive the emails. You don't see. You don't listen to the calls. You don't see them." He's li- it's like it's almost like he's listening to a he's reading off bullet points. Yeah, you don't yeah, hear the call. yeah, you're right. You that sounds good. Call, yeah. You don't see the names. <laughs> yeah, we're good you guys. You don't see the names. You just see this number called that number. The this number, the to from number, the duration of the call and the date time group. That's all you get. Yeah, but and no. all we can do is tell the FBI. But they shouldn't even have that information in the first place. Right. Well, listen, Chase, they're not doing anything. Not, look, all they can do is just tell the FBI you're a bad guy. That's all you get. And all we can do is tell the FBI that number is talking to somebody who is very bad. You ought to go look at it. Oh, a very bad guy. Got to go look at him. Got to go get him. And of course, uh, whenever you're asking the hard questions, you always got to give the intelligence agency guy their Hail Mary. Before 9-11, did we have this capability? We did not. Is it a factor? Was it a factor? I believe it was. What General Alexander is talking about is that two of the 9-11 hijackers, Khalid al-Midhar and Nawaf al-Hazmi, were in touch with an al-Qaeda safe house in Yemen. The NSA did not know their calls were coming from California, as they would today. I think this was the factor that allowed... Unless they're in Boston, because apparently we have a huge blind spot in Boston. I think this was the factor that allowed Midhar to safely conduct his plot from California. We had all the other indicators, but no way of understanding that he was in California while others were in Florida and other places. So we get the 9-11 plug in there. Thank you very much, John. I wonder if that was on part of the negotiations to get in (laughs) there. Get it in there. Get it in there. Yeah, got to make sure you ask the 9-11 question. That was a little early, though, in the conversation, though. And then prison comes up, too, shortly after that. Uh, Now, uh, you could, like, there's so many things to ask about prison data collection. Are you getting behind the firewall of these companies? When you're saying you're only monitoring terrorists, is that because you're using the 51% certainty equation where you if if you have 51%, if you only 49% suspect they are not American, if if you only 49% suspect, well, then you can monitor them. But as soon as it's 51% suspecting they're American, then you don't monitor them. But that leaves so much wiggle room because they can claim they get all this data before they realize they're as Americans and they get to hold on to that data for weeks, even once they identify them as American. <sighs> so does Miller fa- ask any of those questions? Edward Snowden revealed a another program called PRISM, 
which the NSA says is authorized under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA. PRISM is the program the NSA uses to target the Internet communications of terrorists. <laughs> it has the capability to capture emails, chats, video, and photos. But privacy experts believe the NSA's dragnet for terrorists on the Internet may also be sweeping up information on a lot of Americans. No, may. that's not true. Under oh. FISA... Now, remember, his definition of an American is when they have less than 51% certainty. So if they have anything less than 51% certainty, you're not an American. Even if you are a right. you know, yep. red-blooded American boy, you may not be an American as long as they don't have certainty. So this whole answer is a wiggle answer. No, that's not true. Under FISA, NSA can only target the communications of a U.S. person with a probable cause finding under a specific court order. A judge in the FISA court, which is the court that secretly hears the NSA cases and approves or disapproves your requests. They're the ones Wait. that people just found out about. Well, I just love the fact he throws in that approves or disapproves. And uh, can can you tell me, Chris, real uh, quick, yeah. how many I the court has disapproved? Was it two ever? Is that or something like that? Yeah, two ever. Yeah. yeah. You can't really say. Just say approves. Yeah. Just say approves. Don't approves say it disapproves. Or disapproves. Yeah, it's just approves. Requests. Yeah, just approves so the your NSA systematically transgressed both its own... And this is that very court. That very court and its private findings said that the NSA systematically abused their rules. The court that supposedly the NSA answers to. Systematically transgressed both its own court-appointed limits in bulk internet data collection programs. There was nobody willfully or knowingly trying to break the law. The NSA says their <laughs> analysts an use highly technical systems under increasingly complex legal requirements, and that when mistakes are made, they're human errors, not intentional abuses. Well, of oh, course. Well, of because course. you said so, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, yeah. Yeah. So he sits down with the man hunting Edward Snowden, the man responsible for the internal investigation. Legid runs the NSA task force doing the damage assessment on the Snowden leaks. And until this interview, the NSA has never discussed the specifics of the extent of damage they believe Snowden has done and still could do. Oh. There have been all kinds of figures out there about how much he took, how many documents. We've been told 1.7 million. I wouldn't dispute that. How is that possible? So the people who control that, uh, the access uh, to those machines, are called system administrators, and they have passwords that give them the, uh, the ability to um, go around those uh, security measures, and, and that's what Snowden did. Edward Snowden worked for the NSA in Hawaii. Part of his job was to help maintain the NSA's computers and also to move large sets of data between different systems. Generic. Did he take everything he had access to, or was he a careful shopper? He did something that we call uh, scraping, where he went out and used, just went, uh, used, uh, used tools to um, scrape information from websites and put it into a place where, uh, where he could download it. You know, so, I mean, what we've seen so far have all been PowerPoint presentations that were hosted on the SharePoint uh, website, which, uh, based on an article that we played during the supporter show, a clip we played during the supporter show, we know right. he was responsible for administering. In fact, they even gave him elevated system level privileges, even though he was a contractor, because he was so good at administering that. Right. And that's what we've seen so far has been a SharePoint dump. Now, and where do they get this 1.7 million documents? Is it documents? Is it pages? Is it? It's it's, it's uh, clip art. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, you then understood the breadth of what was missing and what could be missing. Yes. Of all the things he took, is there anything in there that worries you or concerns you more than anything else? It's an exhaustive list of the requirements that have been levied against, uh, against the National Security Agency. And what that, what that gives is what topics we're interested in, where our gaps are. Now, these requirement documents, these are something special. These are actually a specific type of document related to the NSA, which he is claiming in this interview, which is really, I believe, the first time we have heard this, is a separate cache of documents that Snowden took that is not from PowerPoint, supposedly, which he has not handed over to the media. And what that, what that gives is what topics we're interested in, where our gaps are, where we want to see, but additional information about U.S. Where, capabilities and U.S. gaps is provided as part of that. So... I'm going to assume that there's one in there about China, and there's one in there about Iran, and there's another in there about Russia. Many if more the, than one. If, <laughs> many more than one. Yes. How many of those are there? About 31,000. If those documents fell into their hands, Someone's busy. what good would it do them? 
it would give them a roadmap of what we know, what we don't know, and give them uh, implicitly a way to uh, protect their information from the U.S. intelligence community's view. For an adversary in the intelligence game, that's a gold mine. It is the keys to the kingdom. So far, none of those crucial documents have been leaked. In Hong Kong, last June, Snowden claimed that exposing the secret programs of the NSA did not make him a traitor or a hero, but an American. The public needs to decide whether these programs and policies are right or wrong. Now, that man we just heard from, the man leading the hunt for what Snowden did, he's doing the damage control internally, uh, he floated the idea, which kind of blew my mind during the interview, which makes me think this must have been pre-approved at some level. He floated the idea to uh, John Miller that perhaps we should offer Snowden amnesty so that way we can bring him back and find out everything he got because in his his estimation maybe this is the best way to get our hands around this well and maybe they don't realize the full scope of what he does right. truly have and which this has sparked off a bit of a conversation which we covered in the supporter show but you can find people writing about it online yeah. uh so uh when john miller sat down with keith alexander who would be the man doing the hunt for snowden's boss he said what do you think of it this is analogous to a hostage taker taking 50 people hostage shooting 10 what and then say if you give me full amnesty i'll let the other 40 go <laughs> that is <laughs> oh let's hear it again that's so ridiculous let's wait hear it wait again. let that sink in he's comparing what edward snowden did yep. to a hostage yes. taker taking 50 people hostage. yes yes this is analogous to a hostage taker taking 50 people hostage shooting 10 and then say if you give me full amnesty i'll let the other 40 oh you go. know to be fair to be fair, he didn't say he killed 10. He just said he shot 10. That's true. That makes it a lot better. Yeah, so yeah. what if he just shot 10 in the leg? Yeah, yeah, maybe, or the toe. Or the toe. Legend runs the NSA tax. Oh, wait, not that way. <laughs> I mean, that's so ridiculous. What do you wow. do? It's a dilemma. It is. It's do a you huge have a pick? dilemma. I do. I- and I like that Miller just totally lets it slide. Like, Miller doesn't, like, go, what the fuck are you talking about, right? No, he's like, God, that's a real problem. Yeah, I mean, well... Hey, wait, I, the follow-up question is, how could you compare yeah. what Edward Snowden did right. to a hostage right. taker shooting 10 people? How? It's a dilemma. Yeah, it's it a is. dilemma. Do you have a pick? I do. I think people have to be held accountable for their actions. Oh, wait, 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 leave it right there. People have to be held accountable for their actions? Like the NSA. <laughs> right? Like, like Chief Alexander? Right. Like Chief Alexander? Come on. Because what we don't want is the next person to do the same thing. Like you? Off to like Hong the government? Kong into Moscow with another set of data knowing they can strike the same deal. This happened on your watch. A they 20-something-year-old. Oh, did you old miss high- that, Chris? Hmm. They basically want to, the way he said it, they want to set an example. They don't want people, other people, to right. do what he did. Right. Yeah. So what they want to do is set an example to him to try to prevent the next whistleblower. Right. Yeah. Right. They want to scare the next person. Yeah. Away. Exactly. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and they're they're gonna uh, they're gonna try to try to make that. I mean, this is why they can't give him amnesty because they've got to make it as hard yeah, for him can't. as possible. They yeah. can't. Yeah. Uh, so uh, supposedly, according to what Alexander's about to say, he offered to resign over this whole thing. What? A twenty-something-year-old high school dropout contractor managed to walk out. High with, school dropout. Love how he in essence that in the there. crown jewels. Did you offer to resign about the Snowden incident? Yes. To the Secretary of Defense, the Director of National Intelligence. What did they say? They said we don't see a reason that you should resign. We haven't found anybody there doing anything wrong. In fact, this could have happened to anybody in the community. And we don't need you to resign. We need you and Deputy Director Step it up. to help work your way through this, which is what we're doing. We'll do everything we can to fix it. Hmm. I wonder if that's exactly what they said. Uh, so there you go. Pretty. That's, that's essentially the highlights from the interview itself. But you know what I actually found more interesting was the behind-the-scenes info about the interview. Oh. Pretty soft, right? Pretty, pretty soft. Ooh, well, it turns soft. out during the entire thing, CBS was kept under constant control by a group called the monitors. Let's talk about the the minders. Oh, minders. Because this was pretty unusual, right? You had a group of minders following you. Um, <laughs> with like 20 people, right? Well, sometimes it seemed that way. Are you rolling on this? Some of these were classified officers that were just making sure we weren't shooting anything we, we, we shouldn't have been. Others were, um, were just monitoring interviews in case anyone we spoke to started talking about classified information. Um, they would jump up 
and, uh, and interrupt them. Um, so the best way that we've kind of talked about describing it is that... Um, Can you stop it? No. Okay. So... Back up. Yeah. I don't... You can't get it Okay. That's okay. Wow. Well, then, then, then I guess. So you can't yeah. Listen to it. So, and by the way, uh, during this interview, there was they tried to do a couple of interviews with quote unquote millennials to try to kind of pitch the message to the younger crowd as why this is a good thing because the NSA feels like it has the least traction there. Uh, so the this was specifically during the millennials interview where you can say stop, stop, back it up. But the best way that we've kind of talked about describing it is that. Um, stop it. Okay. okay. So back up. Yeah. I don't. Can't get it in this country. Okay. That's fine. Okay. Well, then, then, then I guess. Question. So skip that. <laughs> there were a few times where General Alexander would do a timeout. Did the NSA actually find a foreign power that had identified this capability and discussed using it offensively? I need timeout on that. Um, he looked over like this to the whole crowd of people over there in the dark. Now, he's supposedly the boss, too, which is kind of interesting. Like, yeah. Like, and he, you and the why? video is in the BitTorrent sync for because the supporters. He, had, he looks over and he's like, uh, and he does like the, the is this okay? Like the, that gesture. It's kind of like, like, oh, well, you know, hey, uh, I got to stay on script here. I got to know right, the, exactly. What exactly what I'm supposed to say. I need time out on that. Um, <laughs> time out. He looked over like this Don't to the whole kids crowd time of people out, over. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. And although I... I I uh, I think maybe uh, his his version of timeouts a little more under his control. Yeah. He looked over like this to the whole crowd of people over there in the dark, and said, "In the dark, how can fitting, I answer isn't that?" It? And you were never alone in the building. We never, were never, alone. never alone, never. never alone. We walked into a couple of rooms that just looked like they were completely out of Star Trek. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Like they sound a little smitten with him too. Uh, and of course, John justifies this whole puff piece by saying. Look, the NSA has getting really beaten up here. It's their time to tell their story. The critics have had enough of air, of the air. Our job this time was to take the hardest questions we could find and ask them, what's the answer to it? And then spend a couple of minutes listening. Because mm. this is really the side of the story that has been mined um, only in the most superficial ways. We've heard plenty from the critics. We've heard a lot from Edward Snowden, where there's been a, a distinctive shortages. Oh, yeah. Putting the NSA to the test and saying, not just we called for comment today, but to get into the conversation and say, that sounds a lot like spying on Americans. And then say, well, explain that. Which, of course, they just gave the standard talking points we've been hearing all along. Uh, it's so obvious. But this time it's on CBS. It's, it's from a national it's, audience. It's so sad that like 60 Minutes has become such garbage. Like first they had the you have the Amazon cyber drone ad, and then you have this. It's like they've just totally just given up. Like it's the end of 2013, and they're trying to bring the budget up. Like they're trying to get back into the black, I guess. Uh, and or maybe uh, they want to try to regain that awesome access that right. maybe they used well, to have. Right. That's. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's why there was John Miller to begin with. Right. And not one of the regular 60 Minutes crew. Yep. And MSNBC had a very frank conversation where they just kind of almost essentially admit the mainstream media is just too damn biased to cover things like the NSA. Um, there have been a couple of other uh, journalists and other critics of, of this interview saying that, you know, again, that this was a... As PR job for the NSA and not the critical questions that need to be asked of this agency. Well, look, uh, this is the issue time and time again uh, in this administration and other and past ones. You get the access by uh, when they think you might put on a piece that's going to allow them to present their point of view yeah. um, as wow. uh, without a whole lot of criticism. And uh, I think that's what the critics are saying took place here in the 60 yeah. Minutes interview. But yeah. it's certainly not unique to this yeah, uh, to the NSA in this situation. Was, was this an actual employee of MSNBC yeah. saying this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. I thought the MSNBC. <laughs> it was like a weird. It's like they're like, no. yeah, no, you can't. Chris, like, MSNBC is uh, their slogans: lean forward. Listen to this well, part. Well, look, uh, this is the issue time and time again uh, in this administration and other and past ones. You get the access by uh, when they think you might put on a piece that's going to allow them to present their point of view. Um, as that's exactly what they'll it is. put you on to help propagate their 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 and, message, and they know they don't get access unless they play ball. So. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. MSNBC is one of the biggest proponents of the Obama administration. Yeah, okay? for sure. And they don't hide that fact. They actually their slogans lean forward, meaning you know, you know, whatever. 
I can't believe that they just said this. <laughs> I know. It's it's almost like... It, oh, oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Red Book prediction. He'll be fired by the end of the year. <laughs> okay. All right. So maybe just a little <laughs> butthurt that maybe NBC's, MSNBC's a little butthurt. They didn't get access. Maybe, but MSNBC is a cable channel. Yeah, you have yeah. CBS. No, I agree. I agree. Pretty crazy. I thought, wow. I couldn't believe it. I thought that was Holy a great crap. way to sort of sum that up. Is it totally shows you what's going on. And, uh, and we know it's true. For you Unfiltered supporters, I have the full CBS interview plus part oh. two where they dig into Edward Snowden a bunch. Uh, but before we... Oh, and also uh, go check the show notes on this episode. Yeah. We got links to everything we just talked about. Uh, we're going to get in, 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 in the next segment into the uh, BIOS plot that was discovered during that uh, CBS piece, but we'll, we'll save that for a second. First, I want to thank... Our unfiltered supporters. Yes, you guys rock. Bringing us to 297 supporters. Boom. We're trying to get to 333 to cover our cost of every single week's episode. Very close. Now, uh, unfiltered supporters get a, a beginning show and a post show that never makes it on the official show. And it is packed full of good stuff this week. Lots of additional context, tons of information, a lot of things we're going down this week. So the supporter show is a ripe one. And if you become an unfiltered supporter, you will get access to the supporter shows that we'll be doing over the holiday breaks. Uh, the next two weeks, the main show is going to be off the air. It's our last episode of 2013. And uh, the supporter show will continue on, and we'll be publishing them via the newsletter and the BitTorrent Sync. And I wanted to say a special thank you to Dax M, Klaus C, Stephen B, Matt, Ryan J, Blake J, Nicholas S, Jaron D, and Tom D. You know, you know, Chris. Hmm. I know you bar- you glanced over this, but I think it's important to exercise the value what is of it? that BitTorrent Sync. Yeah. See, here's the thing. We play a lot of clips on this show. Mm. You got, you know, we and we like to cut in and we like to make our comments about them. But you can go back all the way back, right, and listen to the whole thing, the whole thing, listen to whatever it you want. Yep, yep. And then you can extrapolate your own opinions yep. about it, and yep. that's the best part. That resource is readily available yes. for you. And we have a lot of this stuff in video form too, which yes. is pretty cool. Uh, right. So you get to see a little bit. We're of visual stuff there. creatures. I yeah, know. yeah. And there's sometimes stuff that doesn't make it into the show that makes it in there as well, including yep. all of our art assets and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, and you can also get a, bit tor- a separate BitTorrent sync of just the supporter show, the last five episodes. Over the holiday break, we'll have all of the exclusive supporter shows in the BitTorrent sync. So it might get a little bit bigger than normal, but you'll get all the good stuff that yes. way. And here's the, here's the one thing you got to realize. you Through this sync and through this method, we don't have to worry about any other third party jumping in down. there and taking it down. YouTube. <clears throat> YouTube. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You got you got that under <clears throat> your you're right there? Yeah, I'm okay. A L- little bit of uh, a little, little bit, bit of content. YouTube phlegm. You got some content ID stuck in your Yeah, right I do. There? Just okay. a little bit. Yeah. So thank you everyone. You can become an unfiltered supporter. That keeps us on the air, keeps this show going. Yeah. And it's never been more important now, especially as you look at how biased the people at the top are when they cover this kind of stuff. Uh, you can keep what, what, when you have them saying it themselves. <laughs> I know. I know. I, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Why I would any I mean I'm, all right, let me just say, for example, let's say I worked for MSNBC. I would not be shooting myself in the proverbial f- right. butt, foot there. I just wouldn't do well, it. Well, I'm amazed that, like, even so, I mean, at the beginning there. No U.S. intelligence agency has ever been under the kind of pressure being faced by the National Security Agency after details of some of its most secret I programs so were leaked by contractor Edward so Snowden. so much pressure. Perhaps because of that pressure, the agency gave 60 Minutes unprecedented access to NSA headquarters, where we were able to speak to employees who have never spoken publicly before. Full disclosure, oh. I once worked in the office of the Director of National Intelligence. That seems like that should be a disqualifier right there. Like, you are not qualified uh, to report on this subject. Full disclosure, I've yeah. worked there. You're an insider. <laughs> so anyways, uh, help us by going over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, yeah, clicking on the latest please. episode of Unfilter, and then there's a, a supporter show. Then you will get a newsletter on the next episode yeah. that you became a supporter with links to the download uh, BitTorrent sync keys, behind the scenes info, and uh, links to additional stuff we didn't either either didn't make if, it into the show or stuff we talked about during the supporter show. You know, I know we don't have a slogan for this, but if you want a great gift to give this holiday season, yeah, give the gift of Unfilter. Oh, that's. And I could also give it a little. Uh... <laughs> now I have a I have a little confession to make before we get into the rest of the NSA wait, wait, stuff. Wait, wait, wait! I was just, I, man, you were reading my mind because I? I, I was just going to say, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't there something that you need to call yourself out on? So uh, I figured, you know, we're getting close to the holidays. Uh, I I think, you know, a lot of of, uh, things are just thinning down. The news agencies are thinning down. 
Uh, I didn't expect anything really major to happen this week. And we're, yeah. we're only halfway into the NSA stuff. Like, we got a whole bunch yeah. more stuff coming. So I actually was so cocky that this was going to be a slow week uh-huh. that I thought maybe we'd do some banging on the media and how they love to over-dramatize everything. So I, last week, uh-huh. made an intro clip for this week's episode under the... So, assumption that I wouldn't even need to pull something from the headlines. All right, because so, so let me rehash this real quick. Yeah, you basically were planning ahead. You're thinking mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be a slow week. Save myself some time. I'm oh. going gonna, I'm gonna to cruise into the Christmas season. Yep. yep. I'm going to be ready to go. Yep. I, you know, I'm going to tell Chase I did all this hard work. Yeah. And really, I didn't have to. Put my to. feet up for one week. Yeah. yeah. And relax. So I pre, <laughs> I pre manufactured the intro clip. Oh, so here this is, is great. I've never done this before. Here is the rejected intro for Unfilter 79. <laughs> oh. And this is not going to be a very Merry Christmas for some farmers. They've spent years growing Christmas trees only to have their supply <gasps> ruined. Michelle Miller is at a Christmas <gasps> tree strand here in New York City. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's an annual tradition for millions of Americans picking out the perfect Christmas tree. But people may have fewer options this year as crops in many states face a looming threat from nature. Oh, no. Isn't that great? From nature. It's like, boy, could they, like, overhype anything? Like, yes, even the Christmas tree shortage of 2013. Uh, Chris, uh, I got a Christmas tree. Yeah, I got one, too. Yes. I just thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's shift gears back into uh, uh, beating on the NSA. So uh, some really, really big news uh, came out uh, just uh, on Monday, and that was uh, uh, Judge Richard Leon ruled that the— uh, Federal court judge, Yes, which is important, ruled yep. that uh, the uh, NSA's uh, phone monitoring uh, of Dragnet phone records is likely unconstitutional. Six months after Edward Snowden revealed it to the world, a federal judge ruled the NSA program that sweeps up Americans' phone call records is likely unconstitutional. The judge wrote, quote, I cannot imagine a more indiscriminate and arbitrary invasion than this systematic and high-tech collection and retention of personal data on virtually every citizen. Snowden described it as a vindication of his hacking, saying, I acted on my belief that the NSA's mass surveillance program would not withstand a constitutional challenge. Today, a secret program authorized by a secret court was, when exposed to the light of day, found to violate Americans' rights. Well put. Now, uh... Glenn Greenwald went on the air to say this totally validates what Edward Snowden has done. Glenn, should this vindicate Edward Snowden in the eyes of those who still believe he's a traitor? How could it not vindicate him? Well, let's just use common sense for a minute. Here is an American citizen working inside of the government who discovers that the United States government is doing things without the knowledge of the American people that is so illegal, so against the core constitutional guarantees of the Constitution that a George Bush-appointed judge today said that it's not even a close call. He said James Madison would be aghast (gasps) if he knew that the U.S. government would be collecting extremely invasive data on every single American without any remote suspicion, let alone probable cause. And I think it's not only the right, but the duty of an American citizen in Edward Snowden's situation to come forward at great risk to himself and inform his fellow citizens about what it is their government is doing in the dark that is illegal. Well said. Uh, So let's dig into a little bit on where this suit came from, its origination. You might be surprised. The suit was brought by conservative attorney Larry Klayman, the founder of Judicial Watch and based on information leaked by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden. In a statement Monday, Snowden said, I acted on my belief that the NSA's mass surveillance programs would not withstand a constitutional challenge and that the American public deserved a chance to see these issues determined by open courts. Now, NSA suit Larry, uh, he's a Tea Party activist. He's the plaintiff here. He's notoriously litigious. He sued the Clinton administration 18 times. He's the former prosecutor for a U.S. for the U.S. Justice Department. Uh, in his own words, uh, he we have a link in the show notes why he challenged NSA. He brought the case on behalf of somebody named Charles Strange. Uh, Charles Strange is the father of Michael Strange, a cryptologist technician for the NSA and support member of Navy Team SEAL Six. Uh, Michael Strange was killed in Afghanistan when his helicopter was shot down in 2011. Charles Strange, as a subscriber of Verizon Wireless, brought the case against the NSA Department of Justice and uh, the NSA, the Department of Justice, and several other U.S. officials, including President Obama and Attorney General Eric Holder. And now there's a reason why all of a sudden the suit was heard now and in the past they've been shot down. Um, Can you explain in a little bit more detail what their claim was and what they gave as standing to to constitute this lawsuit? 
Well, you know, in the past, these kinds of lawsuits have failed uh, because the courts and ultimately the Supreme Court concluded that it was too speculative that the individuals who were suing couldn't really show that there was a high likelihood that their communications uh, had been uh, tracked or intercepted. Uh, that's why the Supreme Court threw out a case like this a couple of years ago. But in the wake of the Snowden disclosures, there are now uh, documents, public records, and declassified information about how this program works uh, that indicate that virtually every American is affected by it uh, in that if they use a telephone at any point to receive a call or make a call, uh, it's very likely some information about that call is being retained by the government for five years. So the judge essentially found that the 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 scene here, the background has basically changed and that individuals who sue over this uh, now do have standing to pursue their suits. Yeah, so uh, the uh, U.S. Court District uh, Judge Leon found the program appears to violate the Fourth Amendment ban on unreasonable searches and seizures. He also said the Justice Department has failed to demonstrate that collecting the information has helped in any single terrorist attack. Wow. Yeah. Uh, now, this isn't anything, nothing's really going to happen at this point because he's put everything on hold while he gives the U.S. government a, a chance to appeal, which they will and continue to fight it. I mean, at best, we're going to probably be looking at six months before we really get any kind of resolution. And my skeptical pants are on on this one. Um, oh, come on now. I mean, this is going to hold up, Chris. I mean, you got to be optimistic here, buddy. Maybe it might. Uh, I'll tell you why. Uh, I got a, I got a couple of series of clips here that demonstrate how the public is beginning to just not believe anything the NSA says. And when you look at how when you look at the massive dragnet collection of records and the fact that it really has not resulted in any stopped terrorist plot, I believe by that very definition makes that dragnet unre- dragnet unreasonable. But couldn't that? All right, here's here's I'm putting my skeptic pants on. It. Couldn't that possibly extend then to the NSA? Right. I mean, why? What? What? what where does the extension stop? I think. I think. If, I think you could at least make the case on the searches that it, it. It. It possibly does not. Their justification that it's to stop terrorism doesn't hold water. Like, okay, let's walk through. Like, here. Here's an example of one of the recent plots the NSA claims they foiled. And tell me if you're buying this. Right. Could a foreign country tomorrow topple our financial system? I believe that a foreign nation could impact and destroy major portions of our financial system, yes. Oh, okay. Again, this is Keith How Alexander. How much of it could we stop? Well, right now, it would be difficult to stop it because our ability to see it is limited. One they did see coming was called the BIOS plot. It could have been catastrophic for the United States. The BIOS plot, Chase. Wait, the- BIOS. Isn't that a computer thing? Yeah, the BIOS plot, okay. Deborah Plunkett directs cyber defense for the NSA and for the first time discusses the agency's role in discovering the plot. One of our analysts actually saw that the nation state had the intention to develop and to deliver, to actually use this capability um, to destroy computers. All right, so the BIOS plot was a nation state that was developing. Not, now, she's, listen to the words carefully because she's not saying the BIOS plot virus existed, but the intention to make one existed. It's really what she's saying. If you listen carefully, that's, she's not saying there was one. She's saying they had intention to. One of our analysts actually saw that the nation state had the intention to develop and to deliver, to actually use this capability um, to destroy computers. To destroy computers. To destroy computers. So the BIOS is a basic input-output system. It's Thank like the foundational component me. firmware of a computer. You start okay. your computer up. Uh-huh. The BIOS kicks in. Uh-huh. It activates hardware. Uh-huh. It activates the operating system. It mm-hmm. turns uh-huh. on the computer. Uh-huh. This is the BIOS system which starts most computers. And they're showing, at this point, they're showing... A word uh, BIOS or something like that? No, actually, ironically enough, it's past the post screen. They're showing like a uh, like a SCSI card, Adaptech, like detecting hard oh. drives. So it's past the BIOS screen. Because so fast. Yeah, because they got to run. They're just idiots. And actually, is isn't bi- BIOS going away anyway? Isn't more EFI-based You EFI, buddy. Woo! Yeah. I mean, so... All right, go ahead. It activates the operating system. It turns on the computer. This is the BIOS right. system, which starts most computers. The Where's attack your would have disc? been disguised as a request for a software update. If the user agreed, the virus would have infected the computer. All right, let's break this down. So what Whoa, they're saying here. What? They're saying that the virus was going to appear in the form of an update. Now, there's a lot of ways to parse this because BIOSes themselves do not 
connect out to the internet. Or oh, let's let's back up. They, they don't even, even they don't even get an IP address. They don't activate the no, Ethernet. Right? They don't even tell you that an update's available right. or anything so like that. So best case scenario is it's going to be some sort of malware in Windows that would go get the update and then flash the BIOS from within Windows. Which would work on a very limited amount of PCs because there's so many different BIOSes out there, and 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 some of them like wouldn't have administrative level privileges. Yeah, and all of yeah. The attack would have been disguised as a request for a software update. If the user agreed, the virus would have infected the computer. But he just said it right there. So, the request for a software update. Right. BIOSes don't use that. They use firmware to update their system. It, it already sounds bogus. Yeah. It sounds bogus on its face, doesn't it? Yeah. But here's the thing, right? You and I know everything a lot about tech the fact that they're saying bios and updates and basic input output system people are just whoa you know grandpa jones in south carolina is listening and and he's like oh my god i gotta get my computer updated she looks like a nice lady in her mid 40s maybe early 50s you you missed this this is a complete advertising message for mccaffey (laughs) oh Oh, geez i have two clips there this soundboard chase i tell you what you keep sticking with it i know well i'm I'm nostalgic but you but you know this is the bio system which starts most computers. Yeah. The attack would have been disguised as a request for a software update. If the user agreed, the virus would have infected the computer. Yeah. So this basically would have gone into the system that starts up the computer, runs the systems, tells it what to do. That's right. And basically turned it into a cinder block. A brick. And after that, there wouldn't be much you could do with that computer. That's right. Think about the impact of that. That's not true. Across the entire not globe. True. It could, literally. My computer has double BIOSes, Chase. I don't know about yours, but yeah, I got, mine does I got too. dual BIOS. And, and not only that, uh, Chris, yeah, I mean, usually if you screw up something up in the BIOS, you pull the battery. You could pull the battery or you can get back into it. I guess it. what they're saying is it would just wipe this firmware altogether. Is, oh, is what we're right. supposed to be buying yeah, into. Yeah, I, I didn't know that someone can make a Swiss Army knife BIOS file. That, that's. <laughs> yeah. Across the entire globe, it could literally take down the U.S. economy. Literally. I don't mean to be flip about this, but it what? has a kind of a little Dr. Evil quality to it that I'm going to develop a program that can destroy every computer in the world. It sounds almost unbelievable. Don't be fooled. <laughs> there are absolutely nation states who have the capability and the intentions no. to do just that. And based on what you learned here at NSA, would it have worked? No. Um, we believe it would have. Yes. Yeah. Of course she's going to. That's a leading question. Of course she's going to say well, yes. Well, we did create Stuxnet. So, I mean, if you look at the damage that's been done, uh, yeah. I think it's pretty clear that this BIOS plot thing is pretty much crap. If you strip it of all the techie talk, essentially all she's saying is we foiled a major plot. Trust us. There was no CVE releases. There was no manufacturer notice. We silently pushed out fixes with all of the manufacturers to these computers. Of course, there's no reason we can trust them on this. If we look at even their own history of lying to us, remember when they were first brought into question, they said they had stopped 54 terror attacks? We've saved lives. Uh, we know of at least 50 threats that have been averted because of this information, not just in the United States, but in some cases threats here in Germany. So lives have been saved. We're saving lives, right? So we've been told over 50 terror plots have been stopped. Trust them. If they tell us it's true, there's no reason we should doubt them, right? Throughout, U.S. officials have justified the NSA's mass surveillance program, saying they have been successful averting acts of terrorism, 54 separate acts to be exact, although over time, that figure has evolved from 54 plots. 54 times this and the other program stopped and thwarted terrorist attacks both here and in Europe. To 42. 42 of those 54 were terrorist plots to 13 plots or cases involving Americans. Would you agree that the 54 cases that keep getting cited by the administration were not all plots, and other 54, only 13 had some nexus to the U.S.? Would you agree with that, yes or no? Yes. Senator Patrick Leahy, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, told me the administration has overstated the program's successes. Well, I believe NSA and General Alexander and those speaking for him greatly exaggerated. Uh, we went from uh, 54, which became sort of the symbol, till we get down to the substance, which was really one. <laughs> one attack. We whittle it all down. We get down to one attack that all of this 
has really been able to stop. And, you know, who really knows how. Hey, but thanks to that, you know, I feel much, much more safer. Oh, for sure. What about your kids? Don't forget that. Now, the White House, remember they had, they put this panel together that was going to review the NSA. So far, everything they've kind of come up with has been pretty softball, but they actually released their report this afternoon. The ruling, of course, comes as the NSA faces increasing pressure from the courts, Congress, and even the Obama administration, which convened a panel of surveillance experts to consider reforms to the agency in August. We're forming a high-level group of outside experts. Remember this? To review our entire intelligence and communications technologies. Outside experts. And they'll consider how we can maintain the trust of the people. Yep. How we can make sure that there absolutely is no abuse in terms of how uh, these surveillance technologies are used. For sure. President Obama has been criticized over the issue, particularly regarding NSA monitoring of foreign leaders. However, this weekend, that very group turned its first report in with several ideas to rein in the NSA. According to government sources quoted by several newspapers, those ideas include limiting the use of bulk surveillance, the NSA's practice of collecting data first and reviewing it later. That's at issue in today's court ruling. It also suggested taking the NSA's power away from military control to enhance civilian power and ensure Senior officials are reviewing that spying on foreign leaders and also to stop allowing the NSA to make its case in secret court without any other side present. The panel recommends adding public defenders to debate the NSA's claims. And that is important. It would require changing current law. In fact, it's a change the president himself advocated after Snowden leaks were published by The Guardian's Glenn Greenwald this summer. Yeah, pretty much everything they've recommended so far, with the exception of ending the bulk collection uh, is what Obama had called for. And even then, ending the bulk collection doesn't actually end it. It just puts the uh, the burden on the carriers themselves to retain all those records and make them quickly available to the NSA should they need them. So if you remember, uh, Larry Clayman, the guy that is making the suit against uh, the NSA, uh, he's uh, was a tea, he's a Tea Party member. Also, uh, Rand Paul is a Tea Party member. And uh, Rand Paul is also considering launching a class action lawsuit against the NSA. If you have, do you want to give us your immediate reaction to these recommendations? You know, my reaction is, is that the judge the other day that said it was unconstitutional is exactly right. I think even the president's own team now is coming up with recommendations that acknowledge that the president has allowed this to get away from himself. It's, he's allowed the NSA program to be intrusive, go against the Bill of Rights, go against the Fourth Amendment. And even his own team is now recommending that he needs to rein this in. I don't think they go far enough in the sense that I think the Fourth Amendment should protect your, your personal information and that you do have a right to privacy, whether the papers are in your house or whether they're kept at your bank. I think you do have a right to privacy, and we'll continue to fight this. Well, when you say fight this, uh, are you ready to file, as there have been these reports, and you're familiar with them, a class action lawsuit against the NSA to stop it? We have tens of thousands of people who have signed up for it. We're still exploring the legal aspect of whether we can file a class action suit. When you hear of class action suits, you hear of them mostly on liability. Now, he's going to tell you about a little problem when you're trying to go after the NSA is if they have the evidence, you can ask them for that evidence, but they'll just say, go F yourself. It's a national security. By the way, uh, this is Mr. Paul. We hear speaking, right? Yeah. Mr. Rand Paul. Yeah. This was the guy last week that I went off on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I want it to be abundantly freaking clear. Do you hear my voice, uh, are internet? Are you still talking to the YouTube? I'm talking to the internets. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. agree with what Mr. Rand Paul's saying here. I just want to let everybody know it's that. because he's being rational. This would be a class action suit on a constitutional question. Just it might out. be the first of its kind if we can file it. The problem is the courts sometimes say you have no standing, and the NSA will say, hey, prove we were spying on you, but we won't give you any information whether we were or weren't. Oh, uh, and uh, so then uh, Wolf says, well, what do you think about Snowden? And he starts talking, and he's shocking and jiving about Snowden, but Rand Paul does something pretty clever here. He shifts the conversation to Clapper, and he says that he wants Clapper to resign in order for there to remain credibility for the intelligence agencies. I'm very offended that the intelligence director lied to Congress, which is perjury and punishable by time in jail, and the president has glibly gone on his way, has not asked for his resignation, has not uh, said that he will try him in court for lying to Congress. I find that really that Clapper's lying to Congress is probably more injurious to our intelligent capabilities than anything Snowden did because Clapper has damaged the credibility of the entire intelligence apparatus, and I'm not sure what to believe anymore when they come to Congress. Well, let me just uh, press you on that, uh, Senator. I think, by the way, excellent point. Yeah. Excellent point. Press you on that, uh, Senator. You believe Clapper 
is more of a potential criminal when it comes to national security secrets than Snowden, who, who by uh, all accounts, what, took about 1.7 million classified documents? I think the law is the law, and they both broke the law, and that uh, one shouldn't get off scot-free. And even Snowden, I think, really broke the law. We can't have people revealing secrets. But at the same time, there is some question whether or not you can be a whistleblower in our society and whether you can release information that you think that the government is breaking the law. And that is the argument here. And now it's been upheld by a federal court saying that the government is breaking the law. And I do think what our government doing, is doing is unconstitutional. And I really think that uh, in order to restore confidence in our intelligence community, I think James Clapper should resign. So just to be precise, if it were up to you, you'd have the Justice Department file charges, criminal charges against James Clapper? Uh, otherwise, you're just encouraging people to lie to us. And then we have no confidence now. If the intelligence community says, oh, we're not spying on Americans, well, and they are, yeah. and then they say we're not collecting any data, it's hard to have confidence in them. Now they're saying, oh, we capture terrorists with this data. Are we to believe them or not to believe them? If they are going to come to us and lie, it really damages the credibility, and it's damaged our credibility worldwide, but really with the American people, because we don't know what to believe. So I don't know how you can have someone in charge of our intelligence who has known to, to lie in a public forum to Congress. And to lie without repercussions, I, I really blame the president for not taking a better handle on Thing. That nice little jab there at the end reminds yeah. you he's running for president in 2016. Yeah, <laughs> you know, here's the thing, right? I mean, that is a, an incredible rational yeah. response. I, I, I think it's interesting if the Tea Party isn't going to try to repair their image over the whole shutdown thing by coming by becoming the anti NSA party or the anti surveillance party in well, a sense, or the pro freedom party. Yeah, I mean. Uh, so by the way, I, uh, side note: I wish Wolf would end every second. Thank you for coming into the Situation Room. Yeah, I, I wish. I wish he, he usually s- does, but not always. Yeah, it just kind of depends on the clock. You know, come, Wolf's got to follow that clock. Oh, well, he's actually that cadence is going twenty four seven. Edward Snowden sent a, a letter to Brazil. Uh, mostly, the media reported as him uh, saying, "If uh, if you want my help, give me uh, amnesty." But that's not actually quite. If you read the actual letter, there doesn't actually seem to be. Any request for that at all, he does mention that without being granted any political asylum, the U.S. government will continue to interfere with his ability to speak. But there's never really any quid pro quo asked for. Uh, he's just saying it would help the situation if I had asylum, uh, which Brazil said they will not offer him. But I got a link to that in the show notes if you heard about that and want to read more about it. Also in the show notes, there's a, about an hour-long um, testimony from Glenn Greenwald to the EU Parliament that I believe happened today or yesterday. In it, he says... The NSA's ultimate goal is to destroy individual privacy worldwide, working with its UK sidekick, the GCHQ. He also went on, uh, Glenn Greenwald went on to warn the EU inquiry, saying that they were far ahead of their rivals in the ability to destroy privacy. Uh, Pretty interesting. uh, He was doing it over Skype, and he was just giving testimony to the parliament. And you can watch that video. Uh, We have a link to it at the bottom of the show notes. Very cool. You know, Mr. Chase, before we get out of here, we got an email that came in about uh, some of the problems we've been having lately with YouTube. Yeah, and it's not just you. I mean, I I spoke about this topic. And and by the way, I forgot to tell you this. Uh, Thank you for uh, telling people about the show that I did about this on Sunday. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You guys talked about the YouTube content situation on uh, Geek Gamer TV. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll have some follow-up to that. Uh, but this message came in from Dave, uh, who wrote about Unfilter and YouTube. He said, hey, hey, Unfilter team, with, with all the kerfuffle. Is that how you spell kerfuffle? I think it is. Yeah. Regarding YouTube's content ID system in the past few weeks, it is there is a growing fear that Unfilter may be the next victim and have to leave YouTube entirely. Unfilter uses a lot of news and audio clips and samples from CNN content for parody. Every week I listen to the audio version and rarely use YouTube to listen to Unfilter unless I'm left with no other options. I like being able to stream the AUG file in Firefox or VLE straight from the JB page without restriction and from a fast server. If Unfilter were to leave YouTube, would it hurt the podcast a lot, or do most of your listeners come from the JB page? When I do use YouTube, it is... Whoa, that is interesting. Is that your watch or your phone? Yeah, that's my phone. Mm-hmm. I was, I Actually, I have it on mute. Is that President Clinton? It, it could be. It has no caller ID. That's yeah, probably the boss, It's then. probably the boss. Yeah, President Clinton, by the way, secret donor to the Unfiltered. So that's really how we're yes, on here. Yes, exactly. But don't tell anybody. <laughs> Let me reread that real quick. Uh, so when I do use YouTube, it's mainly uh, gaming-related, and I have seen the landscape change a lot 
long-standing shows like Classic Game Room have left YouTube and instead it opted to host their own videos from their page. I have a feeling that many long-standing YouTube users may give Google the middle finger, finger and host their content on their own from now on. On a final note, did you hear that indie dev Jonathan Blow had video footage taken down for a game that he created? We mm-hmm. covered that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, heck, uh, he even uploaded the videos and there was an automatic copyright claim by Sony. Did he watch this my show? Uh, for which he had no hand in the development. I want to know the biggest issue out of all this. Content is automatically being flagged by companies without any input from the company themselves. It has forced many major game developers to apologize to the channels in question and reassure that they have no problem with the content. They've even worked with some channels to bring their content back. Is this the future of content on the internet? We get videos flagged and taken down automatically without feedback from the content holder and or copyright holder? What is to stop Content ID from becoming an internet standard and any video that can get a Content ID claim, no matter if it is on YouTube or not? My head is going to explode. That's pretty frustrating yes. stuff. Uh, a couple of points I wanted to touch on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, by the way, thanks for writing into the show. A lot of your points we covered on the Geek Gamer Weekly Show, episode 250, if you want to check that out. Uh, first thing is, the Content ID is only flagging content for monetization purposes, basically. It's not pulling content usually. Not always, but it does sometimes. Yeah. I would say usually this content ID system, it says, hey, we noticed that you're possibly using this music. Yeah, it, th- uh, That's how it is more now. So Yeah, that's yeah. what it is more now. Yeah. It, it's not a straight copyright turn. Like I have certain videos on my channel that can't be watched outside the U.S. Right. Because the way they flagged them. Yeah, but here's the, the, but the thing is, uh, it is true. Guys like Mark from Classic Game Room left YouTube and sent it to, and he went to his website and he's hosting his own videos. Now, here's the thing, and I discuss this at nauseum. Guys like Mark from Classic Game Room could probably survive just fine in doing so and relocating because he has a large audience. Mm-hmm. Angry Joe is another prominent YouTuber who has a large audience. But when you're small, um, and I don't know how you would de- designate Jupiter Broadcasting in that arena. I know I would consider Geek Gamer TV small. I, I don't actually think it has <clears> – <throat> so for me, the main advantage to YouTube is – it's not really audience. It's exposure. It's it's discovery, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the the exposure you get by being on YouTube. And I think that matters. I mean, I think that's why CNN and ABC News and all of those guys They're are there on, too. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's one more avenue for people to find you. It's one more way for people to listen to your show. It's another option. You know, maybe they're on their mobile and they don't have anything and all they have is the YouTube app. So I like it for that purpose. Uh, but yeah, the system is horribly broken. Yeah. No, and it's and this is one of those situations where I've been really going back and forth upon. Now, because I, I am one of those people that have the luxury to host my own content like Chris does, mm-hmm. and but a lot of people don't. That's why they're on YouTube, because they don't have the ability to host their own content on their own places. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i under the impression that while I understand why Mark left and he's kind of changing the way he does things because of YouTube, I don't think that's the answer. I yeah. I per, I mean while yes it does provide somewhat of an answer I I think the way to fight this is to fight it and I've decided that I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and if I have to flag and 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 re content dispute every single thing to muck up the system I yeah. will that's what I'm trying to do and the problem with that is it doesn't you know I have over over eleven hundred something like thirteen hundred videos on YouTube and yeah. uh, Tuesday morning. <clears throat> I, I I disputed thirty content claims in the morning, just like yeah. before nine thirty. I disputed thirty of them. So it definitely at a certain point I just can't justify the amount of time to do that. Yeah. And that really sucks. That really, really sucks. So um hopefully uh we'll I'll be hearing from folks at YouTube soon. I have early emails from them that indicate that I think because I have been disputing so many videos that somebody it must have flagged somebody. Because I got an email from them. I said they want to talk on the phone. Oh, they want to talk on the phone. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, it's such a gray area when it comes to quote unquote fair use. Yeah. Let them take me to court. Let's let's let, well, get, yeah. let's get a, let's get a clear definition of what fair use is. I, I feel like um, it is definitely it, it is going to keep go, is going to keep YouTube uh, something where 
there with the people at the backdoor deals will be able to put their content and the crotch kick videos will continue to put their content but anything like you know my my wife's video of like a video of the kids got flagged because of what there was music on in the background i think so yeah I, but it's so faint you almost i mean but like, you know that's i mean that's still fair use you're not uh, it's pretty crazy it's it's nuts uh, and this is the kind of stuff that we need to combat and we but need like chase it is i want to be on there too because that's how a lot of people find us i just the only so what i'm doing is i'm just trying to dispute every single video yeah yeah all right, Mr. Chase. Well, I think that'll about wrap us up. Now, don't forget, if you're an Unfiltered supporter, go check your inbox. Hell of a supporter show this week in yes. there. Lots of good stuff. And if uh, if you are a supporter, you'll be getting some shows over the next couple of weeks. But if not, I want to thank you guys for joining us for 2013. Yeah. Been a great year. Yeah. Well, great year for the show. Terrible year for me. Yeah. It's been a rough <laughs> year in general. But it's been it's actually been... We could never have never been a better time to start this kind of show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We hit it right. Um, one of the things that we always encourage you to do is head over to our Unfilter subreddit page at unfilter.reddit.com. That's where you can get what? engaged. You're kidding me. And get in part of the conversation. Now, I need to uh, throw this out real quick. Mm-hmm. When I was told to make a prediction last week, yeah. I, w- I don't know why. I had a brain fart. Jeez, that, I can't believe what you, you... Well, the reason why, the reason why is because I thought that that last week was this week and we would have two weeks to reach that number. Oh, right. So I improperly, did. I remember that. I re- improperly yeah. made that. Yeah, pers- I remember uh, that descri- so what did you predict? I, I, if I remember, it wasn't at 1080? 1075. Okay, we hit 1061. Okay, that's not bad. But the thing is, that wasn't my, my prediction. Was I thought we were gone? Oh yeah. So right. I'm not. You want to keep? You want to keep 1075? I'm right. keeping it, and I'm not breaking that. All right. Unfiltered.reddit.com. Help us uh, weigh in on what you like. Yes. Give your comments. The, a lot of great stuff in there this week. You guys were great this week. So thank you very much. I look at that as I'm putting the show together, and Chase is checking that throughout the week too. So we love it when you guys go in there and help us form the show. Chase, if people want to follow you throughout the week. Where should they go? They can head over to my Twitter, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. You can also head over to doeschaseheavajobyet.com. <laughs> yep, yep. And if you want to hear my thoughts about YouTube content ID and other geek and gaming topics, you can head over to geekgamer.tv. New site launching uh, at the top of the year. Powskies. Now, Chris, over the course of the week, mm. you have your thoughts. Oh, yeah, you can find yeah. that over at twitter.com slash chrislas. Oh, well, isn't that interesting? It's very simple. And uh, don't forget jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We'd love to have yeah. you join us live over jblive.tv on a Wednesday. Hey, you guys, have a great Christmas and holiday season and New Year. Be safe. Absolutely. And we'll see you back here next, next week. No, next year. Whoa. Yeah, come on. Here we go. And okay. we'll see you back here next, next year. year.